Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1021 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, September the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, you can find the podcast free on all platforms, all your favorite podcast apps, as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe to the YouTube page. We're pushing towards 700 subs. It's much appreciated. And uh, it's not only episodes that you'll have on there as well, as you will sometimes now get prompts for mailbag questions as that's a new thing I'm going to do for mailbag shows going forward here uh, and we will get to that on today's show in the second and third segments of the podcast as we're going to dig into some mailbag questions that you guys sent in we won't get to all of them because we are short for time now apparently because there's breaking news to discuss off the top of the show as we're going to dig into Alvin Williams being named as the color analyst for the Sportsnet side of the broadcast this year for the Toronto Raptors replacing Leo Routens who I believe is a day oneer with the Raptors which is kind of big news and a little bit surprising, even if maybe it's a move that a lot of people are excited about. And I certainly am as well. Alvin Williams, uh, past and hopefully future guest of this podcast, getting that locked on Raptors bump, baby, uh, and getting added to the color team next to Matt Devlin on Sportsnet Broadcast. So we'll get into that and everything to do with that in the first part of the show here. Before we get to all that, though, I just wanted to thank you for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. Uh, And of course, you can also check out Locked on NBA every single day leading up to the season. We'll have big preview shows coming up in the near near future here, too. Lots of great stuff on the Locked on NBA channel every single day, five days a week. Uh, Please go subscribe to that YouTube page as well when you're done here. Uh, All right, let's get to it. Alvin Williams being added to the Raptors broadcast crew. The broadcast schedule is announced. We'll have the same 41-41 split between TSN and Sportsnet, as we usually get. And uh, Jack Armstrong returns on the TSN side of things. We love Jack Armstrong here on this podcast. This is very much a pro-Jack Armstrong podcast. I know some people might not love the shtick all that much, but I think having a dude who's having a great time out there is basically the dream. It's why I love Reggie Miller on TNT broadcasts. I know people don't like Reggie Miller all that much, but that dude likes basketball, which apparently is like an achievement for some color analysts uh, across the NBA. And so, yeah, I'm excited Jack's back. Love Jack and uh, glad he'll be on those 41 broadcasts for the uh, TSN broadcasts. I'm assuming he'll still do radio duty for the games that uh, are on TSN radio as well when Sportsnet has the TV duties for each night. And then the news, of course, is that Alvin Williams is replacing Leo Routens as the color analyst on Sportsnet Broadcast, which is really big news. Leo Routens has been with the Raptors since day one. He has been on those color broadcasts, I believe, with TSN at one point, Sportsnet for the last many years here as well. And look, I think sort of opinions on Leo Routens have soured in recent years just a little bit. I've always had good interactions with Leo Routens. He seemed like a genuinely great guy, kind of away from the the floor and all that stuff. 
And I don't think his broadcasts were necessarily bad, but I do think you could argue that the Sportsnet broadcast got a little stale in the last couple years, and it just didn't quite match the energy and excitement that the Jack Armstrong TSN broadcasts bring. And I think bringing in Alvin Williams is really going to help kind of tip the scales back in towards the Sportsnet, kind of even things out and make it sort of a more uniform, enjoyable broadcast experience across both Sportsnet and TSN. Alvin Williams is awesome. Like, he is excellent with his analysis when he's doing the studio shows. He was dialing in on Zoom from Philly last year all through the Tampa season. And he just offers really good analysis. He sees the floor in a really smart way. I think he's going to be great in that chair next to Matt Devlin offering up maybe a bit of a deeper sort of look at things. That's not to say Leo Routens didn't have analysis to offer, but I do think maybe things got a little bit sort of recycled when it came to talking points and whatnot. And I'm looking forward to sort of just a new, fresh, you know, voice on the Raptors broadcast with Alvin Williams. You know, he's done wonderful TV stuff. You know, Tim and Sid, you know, back during uh, the championship run, he was doing the sort of panels in, you know, in Maple Leaf Square or Jurassic Park. Why am I calling it Maple Leaf Square? That's blasphemous. Um, But yeah, I just, I think... Alvin Williams is going to be really good for this job, and I think getting some new blood in there is not a bad thing, considering it's been basically the same voices on Raptors broadcast for well over a decade at this point. Infusing some new life, some new perspective, I think, is going to be a great thing. I would also hope that we're going to see more in terms of working in different voices into broadcast, too. And we talked about this last year on the podcast around the time of the all-women broadcast the Raptors did against the Nuggets in late March, the game before the trade deadline, uh, which I think for a lot of people was the highlight of the season. It was their one win in the month of March. It seemed like it was Kyle Lowry's last game. There was good vibes. They blew out the Nuggets uh, at home in Tampa. Uh, And you, of course, had the all-women broadcast with Megan McPeak and Kia Nurse doing uh, play by playing color, Amy Audibert in studio with Kate Burness breaking things down. I really hope we'll see Megan, Kia, and Amy get some extra run here for analysis throughout the season, whether it's studio show, whether it's, you know, subbing in and doing broadcasts here and there. I don't think it's a bad thing to have new voices. I think there's this sort of long-standing belief in broadcasting that you need that reliable, same voice that's been there every single day, kind of like your six o'clock news anchor that you never want to change. I like the idea of mixing things up. It's an 82-game season. There are plenty of games for the main broadcasters to call. Why not throw some touches around and get some sort of seasoning for other people who are up and coming, who have already shown that they could very much do the job quite well. In the cases of Megan McPeak, Amy Audibert, Kia Nurse, obviously Kate Burness, we know the wonderful sideline work that Kayla Gray does as well. Working those voices in, I think, uh, is really important. You know, it's a very male-dominated industry. That's no secret whatsoever. We just saw Milwaukee, the first ever uh, full-time woman play-by-play announcer, uh, announced for the Bucks, which is incredible news. It would be cool to see the Raptors kind of lean into, um, you know, diversifying the voices a little bit. And, you know, you don't have to take away from Matt Devlin or Jack Armstrong or even Alvin Williams and their sort of role within the broadcasts. It's not taking away from them to, you know, sub in Megan McPeak for a few games or have key and nurse work the the color desk for a few games i think that would be a great idea i think it would fit with you know what we've seen from john wiggins the director of diversity and inclusion with the raptors who i think is kind of behind a lot of these changes that we've seen uh pushed for the all women broadcast i would hope that we see pushes for that to continue because it would be a real shame if that wonderful thing that we all agreed was one of the best things about last season the all women broadcast was a one-off thing that they never came back to and they kind of tick it off the box and say hey we're done that's great now we don't have to do that again we've satiated 
appreciated the audience. I hope they come back to that. And I think they will. I, I think we'll see those voices involved in the broadcast going forward here, which is good news. Um, you know, in terms of Alvin Williams, I, again, kind of going back to him, it's nice to have like a Raptors legend uh, <laughs> kind of worked in there too. It seems weird that they've never really had like a Raptors icon on the broadcasts before. Um, you know, obviously Leo Routon's Canadian basketball royalty and all that, and Jack Armstrong, a you know local area coaching legend and everything. But to finally be at the point where you have franchise legends to throw on the broadcast, pretty neat. And I think Alvin is going to be awesome. You know, you can go back and listen to the show we did with him a couple years back. Uh, if you go back in the feed, just search Alvin Williams Locked on Raptors. It's in there. He's super, super great as a conversationalist. I think he's going to be awesome and sort of back and forth with Matt Devlin. And I think, honestly... Matt Devlin stands to benefit from this as well. I think Matt Devlin's great. Again, a past and hopefully future guest on this podcast. I love Matt Devlin. I think he does a really good job. And I think he's really kind of amplified when he has a great analyst that he can kind of play off of. I think that's why the Matt and Jack broadcast works so well is that they're both like equally weird and quirky and they can kind of feed into one another whereas I think with Leo sometimes you know Matt tried to do the quirky thing and then it wouldn't quite sort of land with Leo and you would get that sort of awkwardness I'm hoping Alvin can kind of you know bring that personality in addition to the excellent analysis that I'm sure he's going to bring and that Raptors fans deserve so uh very good news overall happy to see that news come down unsure where Leo Routens is going to be going next but if this is the end for Leo with the Raptors, it was an awesome run. I think if you go back and watch like the very first game, you'll hear Leo Routon's gone that game with John Saunders, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he's the voice of my favorite moment from early Raptors history, which is the hatching of the Raptor. We hear him talking as Herbie Kuhn is announcing the uh, announcement, the, the hatching of the Raptor and the mascot and all that uh, in a very weird opening night ceremony at Skydome. Um, so yeah, Leo will be missed. He's been a fixture around the arena and around games. He's kind of just always been there it'd be weird for him not to be there maybe he's got a studio role or something like that that's yet to be figured out but um if this is the end of leo routens doing raptors games period then it was a great run and congrats to him he got to cover a championship and all of that wonderful stuff um very deserved after covering 20 years of horrible basketball before that championship so uh that's all i got on the broadcast change we will come back in just a second here and we will get into your mailbag questions. Again, I won't get to all the ones that were sent in on the YouTube prompt I put out yesterday, but there are a lot of good ones here for me to dive into. So I'll get to those in just one second. Before we do that, though, I just want to tell you about our pals over at DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to do that is with DirecTV Stream. It brings your TV, your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's show is also brought to you by one of our newer sponsors, Sleeper, who are changing the way fantasy basketball is played. And look, I do not love playing fantasy basketball. It's too much work, and there's too much dependence on, oh, my guy just happens to play four games this week while this other guy happens to play two. I guess I'll play him. There's not really any strategy to it. It's just kind of compiling. Well, 
Guess what? With Sleeper, they've changed the way it's played with something called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each start to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing your opponent to your opponents because they simply had more players playing games than you did that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are over as well. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work also done. That's the thing that gets me. It's like, okay, I gotta set my for a whole week. This is a nightmare. I don't have the attention span for this. This is not fun. But Game Picks is going to change that for you, where you get to pick one game per week for each player based on the player matchups, home versus away, opponent defensive ranking, any strategy that you might want to use, you can use it, and it brings strategy back to fantasy basketball. Whether you prefer a redraft keeper or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper, crack the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football and like the sort of weekly path of that, then this is going to be for you as well. You're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed and get on it because fantasy basketball season is coming up very soon. All right, let's continue on here and get into some of your mailbag questions. Again, a huge thanks to everybody who sent questions in. I put the prompt yesterday on a YouTube video, uh, and lots of people drop their questions in underneath. I won't get to all of them today again, but I do appreciate everybody sending them on in. Uh, I'm going to start with a question here from Josh DiBiase, who asks, Who of the vets do you think, uh, do you see making the biggest leap in their game this season, and which area will they improve most? So... Yeah, lots of candidates here, I think. Um, but I think OG Ananobi is kind of the easy one here, just because he's going to have more of an opportunity to improve his game and kind of flash new skills and test new things out. You know, last season, he kind of began to uptick that usage and become more of a sort of relied upon half-court option for the team. I think this season, it's going to be kind of necessary for the team to sort of funnel those possessions to him, especially early in the season when Pascal Siakam is still out with injury. Having OG just kind of go trial by fire, maybe he's going to shoot 50% or, you know, have a 50% true shooting or something terrible like that in the first going of the year. But I think that will be good for him long term, kind of ironing out the kinks, figuring out what his limitations are, you know, seeing what his playmaking can do as he becomes a higher sort of, you know, point of emphasis for opposing defenses. All that's going to be important. I think for OG... You know, the, the the leap I think we'll see that's going to be the biggest with him. Honestly, I think it's just going to be kind of like his straight line driving and getting to the bucket and picking up free throws. I really think that's in the cards for him. Like, there's no reason why he shouldn't be like a six free throw a game guy if he's going to get the amount of touches that he's going to get this season. He's enormous. He's hard to defend. He runs through guys. He's strong enough to finish through contact. He's never been a high free throw guy before, but I really think if he's going to uptick that efficiency and keep that really, really excellent true shooting percentage kind of stable, even as he upticks his usage, the free free throws are going to have to be a thing there. And I think he's got it within him to add that to his bag. Um, you know, areas that could really kind of set him apart, you know, if he becomes like a really dynamic pull-up three-point shooter or a pull-up mid-range shooter, obviously that's huge. We've talked about it a little bit before. He's a bit robotic in his release right now. He'll kind of wait till his feeder is set in square and then pull up a shot, uh, at least when he's going off the dribble. He's really great on the quick catch-and-shoot release and all that stuff, but off the dribble, a little bit more robotic, needs kind of more time and space and ability to square his feet under him. If he can kind of work on the off-balance finishes and stuff like that, that's going to be, I think, a game changer for him. But a thing that he can absolutely improve right now is just kind of driving to the basket and going through dudes the way he can because he's built like a brick shithouse. Um, I also think, 
with OG, you know, the playmaking will be a thing to watch this year, too. We've seen it before. Like, he's got the vision. He's great with those sort of, uh, you know, passes to baseline cutters and whatnot, big-to-big passes. I think seeing him kind of evolve as, like, a driving kick guy will be really important, too. All the stuff that you expect from a number one option on offense, that's not to say OG is going to be a number one by season's end. I still think Pascal will be the number one for this team. But if you want down the line for OG to assume a bigger role... You're going to have to see how he can handle all of these top ball handler responsibilities. There may be some growing pains, but I think we'll see some real growth there as well uh, in all those different areas. And then on defense, I mean, there's not really much he can improve with because uh, he's already a freaking monster. Uh, great question, Josh. Thanks for sending it on in. The next question here uh, is to do with Goran Dragic. This comes from Jordan Moore asking, the question was too long to fit into my little Chiron 120 characters here, but I've condensed it down here. So Jordan asks, what Dragic scenario is most likely? A deadline trade after he plays well for the team for a few months, a buyout because he doesn't really buy into the team early on, or does he stick around through the deadline for a, for a potential playoff run if the Raptors look like they're going to be maybe like a surprise four through six seed in the Eastern Conference? To order these of most likelihood, I would say the least likely is the buyout thing. I just don't think there's any incentive for the Raptors to buy him out. I don't think Drogic is going to come in and loaf it either. Like, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I know there were the quotes that were maybe sort of awkwardly translated from Slovenian about maybe Toronto not wanting to be, maybe not Toronto being his prime destination or anything like that, him wanting to go compete for championships, yada, yada, yada. I think that got overblown a little bit, and I think he's kind of said all the right things since then, and he seems to be in a good place coming in. He's been, you know, posting on Instagram all the, you know, nice favors the Raptors have done for him. I think he's going to play hard. So I don't think he's going to loaf it to the point where they just think, oh, wow, we have to cut this guy because he's a toxic presence in the locker room. I would be very shocked if we saw that. He's a 35-year-old pro. I don't think he's going to go and pull a stunt like that. He could. Maybe he becomes like the Raptors version of uh, chunky Raymond Felton in Portland or something like that. I don't really see that taking place because he's got incentive to play well too, to get himself to a destination he wants to go to. He needs to be a trade target that teams are going to want to go after. And, you know, for the Mavs, for example, like if he wants to be in Dallas playing with his boy Luka, He's got to play well enough for the Mavs to think, okay, we are okay parting with Dwight Powell and Josh Green, an ex-asset to acquire Goran Dragic before the deadline. So buyout, I think, is pretty low on the on the likelihood of possibilities here. I think the stick around and like play into a playoff run is not terribly likely, but I don't think it's out of the question because the Raptors have done this before. We've seen them before value going into a playoff run and the experience that comes with it. They could have traded Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka going into free agency, realizing, okay, yes, they're very good this season and they're on pace for 50-plus wins in the title defense year, but, you know, hey, the future doesn't look like they're going to be around. Obviously, they weren't around beyond the playoffs of 2020. Like, they could have talked themselves into that move. They didn't because they value going to the playoffs and being relevant. And I think if they're, like, a surprisingly good team, you know, floating around at that 4-5-6 range, Dragic is playing well, he's running the second unit, he's in the competition for sixth man of the year, I could see them hanging on to him and just saying, you know what? Maybe we lose him at the end of the year, but we'll get the cap relief that comes with that, and we also get to 
you know, play a round or two in the playoffs and go deep and, and get that experience for our younger guys where we know the Raptors value that experience for younger guys in the postseason. So I, again, don't think it's terribly likely, but I don't think it's off the table if the Raptors surprise, which I do think could happen. Like this team has it within itself to be a monstrous defensive team that gets by with like, you know, a 20th ranked offense and a top five defense. And you see them maybe a five or six seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're going to get home court or anything like that. The East is very good as well, and it's quite deep, but I think just kind of knowing the pedigree of Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, if OG takes a leap, there's enough here, and they were good enough last year for long stretches, and those guys were excellent when they were on the floor together at all times, basically driving winning anytime they played together. I think there's a world in which the Raptors are good enough that they think hanging on to Dragic might be worth it for the extra experience that comes with it. We also saw this with Kyle Lowry, right? Like, they weren't going anywhere with Kyle Lowry last year. Things were already off the rails by the time the deadline came, and they still opted to keep him because of the value that he offered. And, you know, there's always sign-and-trade possibilities and stuff like that, too, as cap space is limited. Having a guy's bird rights as he hits for agency is never a bad thing either. So the precedent suggests that they will not hesitate to hang on to Dragic if he's playing well and helping the team win. I do think the most likely outcome here is that Goran Dragic is dealt before the deadline for maybe like a low first round pick or something like that. And whatever cap ballast comes back the other way, it seems like the Raptors might want to try to do right by him as well. You can always do an agent a favor and stuff like that and kind of, you know, hold that in your pocket for the future, you know, doing a guy right and, you know, getting him to a place that he wants to go, a guy who's a respected veteran in the league and all that. I could absolutely see them saying, all right, this is what we're going to do. They might be fielding offers, you know, from the start of the season on and just waiting for the best one to come through. Um, that's probably the most likely here. But again, I think there's lots of different outcomes. The buyout thing, though, I think is very much off the table. There's not really any incentive barring Dragic coming in and like refusing to play and you know doing the Hito Turgulu I'm tired thing I don't see that being an outcome here we're going to get into a couple more of your mailbag questions to close out the show big thank you to Jordan and uh god who asked the other question I knew oh Josh uh thanks for sending those questions in we'll get to a couple more here in a second talking about Pascal Siakam and Chris Boucher as a pairing and a whole bunch more that's coming up here but first want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars you can find and they have their regular flavors their nine staple flavors that you can buy a mixed box of get two of each of the nine flavors and figure out which one you like but the lovely part of Built Bar is they also have specialty flavors that pop up limited time on the site from time to time as well including the wonderful chocolate or cookie dough chunk that's what it is cookie dough chunk it's amazing it really just tastes like a candy bar except it does not have all the bad stuff that a candy bar does it's got 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 just four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs in all of the built bar flavors and the cookie dough chunk is the bee's knees i tell you you should get it if it's on the site go and pick it up right now i have six in my fridge and i can't wait to house those bad boys they are very very good go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 and you're going to get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Go get yourself some cookie dough chunk. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline.ag who are back and better than ever. All eyes are in the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. 
Meaning, if you put in 100 bucks, they're going to double it for you and have 200 bucks in your account waiting there for you to play with just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 to get that special offer from basketball, football, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. They are your online sports book experts. Go to betonline.ag. All right, we are going to finish things off here with a few more of your mailbag questions. Again, if I don't get to your question today, it's the Raptors' fault for announcing broadcast news, and I will get to your questions another time for sure. I have them loaded up in my little producer side screen thing here. I will not remove them. I will keep them here for the next time we have a chance to answer some mailbag questions. So uh, next question here comes from Adam Ellis. I like this question a lot. Could you see any opening day reserves earning a starting job by the end of the season? So this is, I think, assuming that the starting five presuming health for Pascal Siakam is going to be Fred Van Vliet next to Gary Trent Jr. in the backcourt, and then OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, probably Kem Birch starting at center. As far as guys who could get in there, it's going to be tricky to crack that lineup, right? Like, it's going to, you know, there's lots of guys who are kind of unproven, guys who I think fit really nicely with the second unit, so it's going to be tricky to kind of crack that code, and that starting five, I think, will figure to be pretty good. You know, I could see it kind of boasting a plus four, plus five net rating over a lot of minutes. There, there's the geometry of the floor makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of shooting out there. I think Ken Birch just is a center who can do a few different things that he did not have from the center position last season will be really important as well. And, you know, I guess it kind of hinges on Gary Trent Jr. Can he be, you know, a 40% knockdown three-point shooter, a really good fifth option? Um, does he kind of get the, you know, heat check syndrome he got a little bit last year? That remains to be seen. But I think that lineup's going to be good. As far as breaking into the starters, I would not be shocked if we saw at some point this season Goran Dragic, to go back to the last segment, if Goran Dragic plays well enough and is kind of guiding that second unit and, again, kind of flirting with six-man-of-the-year conversation, which I think is very much in the realm of possibility— and Gary Trent Jr. is not showing any improvement when it comes to his playmaking or his sort of shot selection or anything like that, his defense slips maybe, I think you could see Goran Dragic being inserted into the starting lineup to add a little bit more ball handling to the mix. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet, good ball handler, no problem being have him, having him be the lead point guard, but we know that he also is very good as an off-ball guard, and as much as he's improved as like a lead pick-and-roll guard and things like that, I still think he's best when he's got other guys creating for him and he can be a deadly knockdown shooter, secondary playmaker, that type of thing. And if Goran Dragic plays well enough, I think you could see him slot in there for Gary Trent Jr. You're not losing a ton defensively there, even though Dragic is, as you remember from any time Kyle Lowry roasted the heat over the last many years. Goran Dragic is not the greatest defender of all time, but... Gary Trent Jr. wasn't any great shakes last year either, even though I think he kind of comes in with a bit more of a reputation for that side of things. I think mostly because he was better than C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard at defense, which is not really saying much. Um, So yeah, if Trent can't kind of improve on the things that stood out as real flaws last year, I think we could see Goran Dragic slide in there. I guess there's also a world in which Ken Birch is not, you know, sort of guaranteed to have that starting center spot. Maybe Precious Achua comes out and is just like a, a high-flying pick-and-roll god, like throwing down lobs, running in transition, doing all that stuff. Maybe we see that. Maybe they want to start Chris Boucher just for some extra offense as well. I think that makes the second unit look weird because you'll have Achua and Birch kind of fighting for the center spot and there's one of them playing the four. I don't know about that. I think just in terms of like roster balance, they're going to want one of Birch or Achua starting at the five. 
And, you know, I, I think Birch is going to have that spot kind of unlock, you know, unless there's like a huge leap from Achua and it's just undeniable. I think Birch is just so rock solid and they've invested in pretty you know heavily in him three years, 21 million. Like that's not nothing that they've given him. I, I think there's it's going to be tough to knock him out of that starting spot. You know, closing games, I think, is a different story, obviously. You know, I think it'll be kind of game by game. I think we could see Boucher close games for sure if they're looking for some scoring punch and some kind of exciting defensive potential. Uh, you know, they're looking for someone to block corner threes on the regular, um, whatever that might be. I think we could see Boucher close at the five. I think we could see Scotty Barnes close at times where they'll just kind of go with a small ball front court of Barnes and Anobi and Siakam, depending on how Barnes' development's going. That might be a later season type of thing. But as far as the starters, you know, I think the two most likely guys to be knocked out would be Trent and Birch, which I don't think is a hot take necessarily. Um, and I think Drogic is maybe the most likely guy to sneak in there if things go very, very well for him coming off the bench early on. Another question here comes in from uh, Daniel Green talking about uh, Pascal Siakam and Chris Boucher. Do you think we will see any of the Siakam-Boucher Twin Towers duo again this season? I definitely do. Like, as I said, I think they could close games OG Siakam-Boucher. They could close games like Fred Barnes OG Siakam-Boucher and get super weird and long. I would, I'm not really ruling anything out, but I absolutely think we'll see a lot of Boucher and Siakam sharing the floor this year. Um, you know, you might want to keep those guys separate just so you have the offense that each provides kind of supplying finishing to the units they play in. That could be an argument against playing those guys together, but it doesn't really matter if you're in the close, you know, last five minutes of a close game. You want your best guys out there. If you view Chris Boucher as your fifth best guy on a given night, throw him in there at the five and go nuts. I don't think... This is the nice thing about what the Raptors have center-wise is, yes, you know, they've invested in, in Ken Birch and Precious Achua is a nice developmental prospect, but I don't think they're beholden to anybody getting 30 minutes a night at center. I think they can kind of mix it in and out, rotate whoever's going to play those minutes, and it can be kind of a case-by-case -case basis depending on the matchup and how guys are playing. And if Chris Boucher is on one of his heaters where he's putting up 30 points and he's knocking down eight threes then yeah, you should probably finish a game with him playing next to Pascal Siakam. And you take the sort of defensive hit that comes with that. I think that's the thing that keeps Boucher off the floor. As much as he makes the loud, highlight defensive plays, I think he can also kind of get in his own way a little bit, get out of position, um, you know, make stupid fouls, things like that. Uh, that will be what keeps him out. But absolutely, we're going to see a lot of Siakam Boucher this season, whether it's closing games, middle of games, um, you know, playing like super big if they wanted to go like Birch at the five, Boucher at the four, Siakam at the three, OG at the two, Barnes at the one. Why the, why the hell not? I think we can see that for sure. Uh, it's going to be a weird-ass team. So expect all the weird-ass combinations to come into play at some point or another. Uh, the last question I'll get to here, and again, thank you to everyone who sent them in, comes from John Hamilton, who asked, with 20 players invited to camp, who stays and who goes? There were some sort of further explanations of the question in the YouTube. I just couldn't get it on the uh, the character limit here. But um, basically, the crux of the question was, how do they determine you know, who's going to make those roster spots? Ultimately, there's 17 roster spots that can be filled for the Raptors, two of which are two ways. And we know the two ways are going to be Justin Champagny and David Johnson, unless you know something happens and they sign someone else to a two-way. We saw that with Paul Watson, for example, getting a two-way from the Thunder, knocking Josh Hall out from one of the two-way spots that the Thunder had. Um, we don't need to talk about the Thunder. Um, but we, so yeah, I don't think we're going to see much change there. They seem invested in Champagne and David Johnson. They seem like they're going to be the two-way guys. And obviously those can change as the season goes along if they run out their uh, you know, number of days and all that stuff. But to start the year, those guys seem to have those 16 and 17 spots. It's the two-ways locked up. I figure they're going to play a lot with the 905, barring some injury emergency that needs to be addressed. 
From there, I think you're looking at, you know, the combination of Ish Wainwright, Isaac Bonga, Sam Decker, uh, Reggie Perry, who they just brought in, who I'm a little bit interested by, Freddie Gillespie. Like, there's a lot of guys fighting for those last few spots. I would say the 11 guys I know for sure are going to be there would be, I guess, 12. Yeah, 12 guys you know for sure are going to be on the team are the starting five that we've talked about. You know, Van Vliet, Trent, OG, Siak, and Birch. I think Flynn, Drogic, Barnes, Boucher, Achua. I think Utah's going to be there for sure. Even though he's not guaranteed, I think he's going to be there. They're, they seem like they like him a lot, and I like him a lot, and I hope he's there. I'd be pretty shocked if he's not. Delano Banton also has a contract for the team this season as well, even though he'll likely get a lot of 905 time too. So there's three spots, essentially, that the rest of the guys are fighting it out for. For me, just kind of like from distance and not having seen them play in the preseason or anything like that. I think I'm rooting for Ish Wainwright to be there just because he seems like a vibes guy and you like to have a good vibes guy around. The team lacked vibes sincerely last season, so can't hurt to bring in a guy who's noted for the vibes. Um, I think Reggie Perry's an interesting one. You know, he might just be a guy to compete for. He's on an Exhibit 10, so he might just be bound for the 905. Um, but, you know, he had some moments last year with the Nets. Granted, the Nets didn't have a ton in the way of front court depth, and it's probably pretty easy for anyone to look good with that supporting cast. I mean, Bruce Brown's probably going to be in line for like a hilarious contract this coming summer because of the supporting cast that's there. Uh, and just playing with superstars elevates everybody, basically. Um, but I think there's something there with Reggie Perry, perhaps, that maybe they can mine. And, I think it'll be more 905 based for sure. So maybe he doesn't get one of those roster spots. Maybe it's 19 guys we're talking about here. Um, you know, Sam Decker, Sfi Mahaliuk's in there. You know, I would imagine one of those guys will get a spot based at, like based on their shooting. I think Sfi probably, I think he's got more of the guarantee, so he might be there. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, it's hard to kind of pin down. Freddie Gillespie's in the mix too. He did not play well in Summer League. I don't know if you can put all of your sort of Freddie Gillespie stock into what we saw in Summer League. Maybe he gets another shot and proves that he can be a nice, reliable backup big in preseason. We'll see. But that's kind of what you're looking at here is those guys, you know, Bonga, Wainwright, uh, Perry, Decker, Svee, like they're all fighting for three spots, basically. And I'm curious to see who's going to make them. We might make too much of this. And this is why I'm leaving it for the end of the show, because honestly, like back of the roster guys, we put a lot of energy and effort into talking about it, but ultimately it doesn't really tend to matter for the season all that much unless things gone, have gone horribly wrong. But I think that's what you're looking at right now. Uh, it'll be 17 guys out of the 20. Three guys will be gone. And uh, maybe they bring in more guys to sort of compete for those spots as well. Although I think 20 is the limit for camp. So they might be at what their full roster is going to be at the moment. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Again, thanks to everyone who sent in questions. Uh, thanks for making us your first listen of the day. And uh, I really, really appreciate you tuning in to the show. Uh, if you've not yet subscribed on YouTube, please go ahead and do that. If uh, you haven't given a rating review on any of the podcast platforms, that's also very appreciated. Tell a friend. That's always very nice, too. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow with Freddie Revis from the Confederacy of Dunks podcast as we are going to look at the second half of my Ranking Every Raptor version 4.0 list. We talked talked about the first part of it earlier this week uh, with Josh Kern. We're going to talk about the second part of it and get into the top guys, you know, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and the whole bunch more in the top 125 on the list uh, with Freddie Rivas tomorrow. So that should be a ton of fun. Hope you tune in for that. And you can go read Rap Raking Every Raptor over at Raptors HQ. That'll be up in the morning as well. So you can go and read it if you want to listen and uh, read along together. Um, 
That'll do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now go listen to Locked on NBA. Just go click over it on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right there. They're covering the league every single day in a very, very informed and uh, delightful way. So go and uh, get your NBA fix with Locked on NBA. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.